go gifts? No. And that's, well, yes and no, but we'll talk about that. We can talk about that a different time. Hey, well, what's up, everybody? Uh, welcome back to Bible and Banter with, uh, with Lou, or excuse me, Mike. <laughs> Don't insult the man. He's not here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we are, in, we are broadcasting from a galaxy far, far away here on May 4th, which is uh, recognized. It, I don't see... It's a day that we recognize Star Wars and the impact it's had on our lives. I'm not sure when if we recognize moms and dads, why don't we recognize um, Star Wars in the church? I, I just don't get it. I don't know. Who, who's, had a greater, who's had a greater impact on you? Your parents or Star Wars? <laughs> My parents. Well, okay. I didn't say negative, negative or positive. <laughs> oh man so we are uh, we're going to talk about a couple of different things we wanted to get into our philippian study and we thought uh the first couple of verses of, of chapter one in philippians would be a good place to start and 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 cover this week as we also talk about some other stuff so i mean you've had you've had a rough week um you know you were sharing and you mm. you at least shared it in your weekly update which if you don't follow mike on on the Facebook machine, I don't know what's wrong with you, but they had uh, better times, more more lucrative uses of their time. But yet, a dear saint, um, uh, fall asleep in Christ. Yes, and um, I had I, I was going to say go to be with the Lord, but that's the Southern Baptist. I was going to say that that's your old life. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the old man. Take off the old man, put on the new, buddy. Um. So sorry to hear that, man. That's that's always a tough um, yeah. situation to go through as a church. So yeah, there, no, no death in the church is easy by any stretch. But the longer you're, the longer you're in ministry with people, the, the everyone is is increasingly difficult and precious. Mm -hmm. So, but yep, sure, for sure. Yeah, man. So we, uh, we, we were talking about, because I forgot we we're going to go into Philippians because I'm an idiot. So last night I kind of had a bee in my bonnet to talk about um, pastor or, or preaching um, plagiarism. Uh, plagiarism, preaching plagiarism, which after looking at the graphic, which by the way, man, has there ever been a greater graphic in the history of our show than the one that I created for, for today? No. No, I don't I, know I think there is. I'm a little I'm a little worried that you've peaked too early. Have I? I don't you know. We're so? gonna have to see because this is strong oh, work. Just in case you haven't seen it, this is what it looks like. Um so you can see I'm gonna take our faces off the screen and so that people can fully see this. Um we got we got the Chewbacca head on me mm -hmm. carrying a lightsaber. We got R2 D2 in the background. Yep. We got C3PO on top of a snowman. We got Baby Yoda. Um, I think that's it. And we're we're in a setting. I think the setting is either on the set of a Star Wars movie, or it's from like Star Wars down at at Universal Studios or or mm -hmm. wherever. That. Yeah. So it looks like I, similar I, to the pod racing of Episode One. That's what I'm also thinking. That's where I think it's also at. So I I just wanted to share that because. Listen, man, I uh, I impressed myself with that one. 
So just that one, I, I would think that there's many things you've impressed yourself with. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the most recent, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm trying to be humble, you know. <laughs> so as we go through Philippians, you know, I'm learning. Hey, uh, you know, got to show a little bit of humility. But yeah. I, I had fun with that one this morning on today, Star Wars Day, which mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna petition I'm gonna petition. Um, the church maybe bring a resolution at the next triennial and recognize May the Fourth as Star Wars Day as a as a mm-hmm. as a church holiday. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I will I will sign that white paper. Uh, I want to share this because I mm-hmm. impressed myself. <laughs> okay, she's just quoting me. Yes. <laughs> now that could be a quote of things I say to myself all the time. So <clears throat> just just a little peek into my brain, but. Um, <laughs> And now I'm just staring at it instead of actually moving on. <laughs> it's so fun, man. I really had so much fun making this. So I just wanted to share my fun with everyone. If you have ideas. Uh, Meredith, I'm actually I'm coming after your job. Uh, that's what I'm doing. I work in, my work in Canva. <laughs> my work in Canva is becoming increasingly impressive. That's not even close to the quality work Meredith puts out. I can't even believe you'd put that in that caliber. But, but although Meredith's her her ability to find two things and and and, and do all that stuff, I mean, she is light years ahead of me. Pun intended. However, has has ACGC ever produced something nearly as funny as this? No. Okay. Not, no, 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 there's one. Not, there's not one intentionally. Thing. Not intentionally. <laughs> Are you thinking there's anything I'm thinking of? I don't know, but I don't want to say it. <laughs> does it? Does it? Uh, does it rhyme with uh, type? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we're just having fun. We love Meredith. We love everybody at ACGC. There's no way we could ever take their. Um, their wonderful job at the, the wonderful job they do at graphic graphic design mm-hmm. and all that. right so but yeah i just keep i gotta take this off my screen man i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna be able to move on until i take this off my screen so um so plagiarism right so <clears throat> i don't know exactly what happened but apparently there was like a video of like a pastor preaching and then they like paralleled it with something that uh, Mark Driscoll preached and it was literally word for word, joke for joke. Like there was no, he plagiarized every jot and tittle of that thing. Um, and like somebody else shared it with me. And then like on Twitter, I saw some people engage with it, but it wasn't like super huge, but I at least thought like, Holy smokes, man. Like, is this a thing? I posted about it on Facebook either yesterday, or the day before about plagiarism. Like, have you found plagiarism in preaching to be like a thing among other preachers? Because I haven't. Not that I've noticed. The, the only thing that has come close is when someone tells me, hey, nice sermon this week. I'll be like, well, thanks. I downloaded it earlier in the week. Or <laughs> I'll be like, well, it worked for John Piper. So <laughs> so mostly you joke about plagiarizing. I joke about it. But at the end of the day, I, I've never experienced it for myself whether intentionally doing it or, or, you know, or seeing someone else do it. Yeah. And I just find it so curious, man. So I shared, uh, I shared an article from, um, oh my goodness. What's his name? The dude from, uh, yeah, 
Jared Wilson. Wilson. And he was talking about the reasons why some pastors plagiarize. And um, then I kind of shared some reasons on why plagiarism shouldn't happen. Um, But it's glad to hear, like, you haven't really heard too much about it, and I haven't. So it must not happen really a lot in our circles. Um, No, I guess not, yeah. Or at least we're just not aware of it. Right, right. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Even in that article that that pastor that plagiarized Driscoll, it was only by accident that he was caught by a parishioner. Mm. It's because they were following up because something either didn't sit right with them. So they Googled kind of what was said in the sermon, and it came out with these two side-by-side sermons. Um, So, yeah, I mean... Do do people even still... I mean, I I don't listen to Driscoll anymore. Do you still listen to Driscoll? Not really, no. Because I I read an article a couple weeks ago about essentially the same things that saw his downfall at Mars Hill has followed him to his new church plant. So it doesn't seem like, it didn't seem like his repentance was, was true and real. Right. Um, But, uh, and, and honestly, there are probably better people to plagiarize than Mark Driscoll anyway. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) well, he's had a strong start, you know, but Mm -hmm. I, I just, I just feel bad because it could be, if we're not careful, any one of us, yes. you, know, you know, I, I, it's easy for me to cast stones, but at any point someone could cast a stone in my direction in some way, probably. Well, I get it. You know, it's easy to fall into that trap when you meet the world standards of success, I think. Like, so when you well, blow up like he did and, um, well, when you easy- get, well, when you get to the point in your ministry and, and I, I hate to say this, uh, because I see the I see the value and the benefit of it, but when you get to the point in your ministry where you have research assistants doing work for you as a pastor, um, you know, to get material and then you formulate it into a sermon, I think is kind of I think we get misguided, and that's essentially kind of what can was happen that, with was that what was going on with him? That, with him, with his book thing, that he plagiarized some stuff in his book, and he blamed it on a research assistant. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and, well, that, that's not well, look book stuff. Well, you, remember, right, and I just remember before all that came out, he was kind of vaunt, you know, vaunting or at least sharing, you know, the benefits of this group that you could pay a subscription or whatever, and they would put a bunch of research in the text or subject you're going to be preaching on and send it to you in a, in a document. And then you could go with whatever research they did for you. So essentially somebody else would write your sermons for you. Well, at least give you the content that you would then form for yourself into a sermon. You you could just use, you could just use Bible software like Logos and like, right. Type the reference, and he was a guy that I thought did you know expository verse by verse preaching. So that kind of I think he probably st- I think he started off that way, yeah. but you know, I don't know. Anyway, um, I mean, what do you do, man? Like, what do you do if if you find out, you know, an, another guy is is plagiarizing? Uh, how would the scripture have us, you know, confront anybody's? fault, failing, sin, you know, we'd have to go and confront them. 
You know, yeah. say, what, what, what is this? You know, I mean, what do we, what do they do in schools? Like if you plagiarize something, don't cite something properly, you, you probably don't before you either get booted or you'll at least go through a disciplinary um, action. Well, I, I think I, I think plagiarism is something that, like you get, that's a character issue, right? And if you look at being a good preacher, is actually not a a requirement. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to preach is a requirement for an elder, for a pastor, mm-hmm. but it, being being like a really good communicator or orator is not. So, but integrity is right. So, I think that you know someone. Um, plagiarizes to me that's that's a fireable offense man like that that that's bad that's really bad how could you ever trust your pastor if they um ripped somebody else's sermon right i 100 agree but i would i hate to say it, but i would say that there are degrees um when it comes to that and, and what i would say intentional ripping off you know, someone's especially an entire sermon and not crediting the person. Yeah. Um, you know, like, for example, so I know some people have said, I'm going on Sunday morning, I'm going to preach Jonathan Edwards, word for word, sinners in the hands of an angry God. You know, just as, a, as like a, an exercise and everything. Uh, but at least I've, heard, like, no. I've heard someone say they did that before, like someone yeah. fairly famous. Yeah, I somebody did. I can't remember who. That's different than, you know, passing it off as your own. And that's where I define plagiarism as you're passing it off on your own. And, but then I also find that, you know, we have to be careful because sometimes it may happen unintentionally. For example, when you're writing a sermon and you think of a quote and you're like, I'm not quite sure where I heard this. Is it original to me or surmising? And so sometimes it can happen genuinely by accident. hundred percent. I think that's totally different thing. I think that's a hundred percent different. I also think like sometimes, you know, when I learned when I first, and I'm still early on preaching, right? So I've only been preaching regularly for two and a half, three years. And like early, early on, I would probably have four or five quotes in there. And then I realized like, yeah, people aren't down with this. Like this isn't, this isn't connecting with my congregation because they really don't care about what Martin Luther has to say. Or they don't care about what Gordon Fee has to say on this passage, or Leon Morris, or or D. A. Carson. So, like, I'd realize, okay, this might be really like. So, if if Carson puts this in a way that I want to communicate, how do how do I articulate that to my congregation without um, alienating them by using somebody else's name? So, so like trying to figure out, so then it goes to like paraphrasing, right? So now you try and paraphrase it in a way that properly reflects this point that you're taking from somebody else. So um, it, it, it is difficult. I think that is something that's a little bit different than say, um, you know, I, I get these emails all the time that I try to send to my spam folder, but like, or, or, or Facebook ads of, oh, download this sermon series, or I'm sure you get this stuff. Like pastors are being inundated with these resources. And I don't want to say resources, but prefab sermons and sermon ideas to be handed to them that you can purchase. And I just go like, dude, who in the world buys this stuff? Somebody's buying it, right? And if you're buying somebody else's sermon, um, well, this is what you do. If you find out that, that, uh, Rick Warren 
is has the best sermons for your context, then this is what you have to do. You need to go to your board or your elders or whatever your leadership structure is and tell them, hey, you need to go start paying Rick Warren $500,000 a year to be your pastor because he, he th- this is who God's called you to be or to, to pastor you. Um, but aside from that, like stop ripping Rick Warren or Matt Chandler or whoever, whoever tickles your fancy. Right. However, to kind of temper that a little bit, I think we've all had a moment when like, all right, our preparation is done. You know, we've formulated at least some sort of our sermon, but we might like to know how does so-and-so handle this? Mm-hmm. You know, almost like how we go to commentaries, but we go, how did so-and-so handle this? Mm-hmm. But the danger in that is then, you know, wholesale make changing your sermon and, and everything into what they did. Oh, he, he said it better or, uh, you know, but even in that, you can say, well, so-and-so in, you know, John Piper or Matt Chandler says this about the, mm-hmm. this situation. There, you credit. there was one time I, um, when I preached on the uh, pericope adultery, right? So the woman caught in adultery in, in the gospel of John. Um, I really wrestled with whether or not to preach that text because, and I, I mean, I took weeks in, in, in the midst of studying, you know, preparing for sermons those weeks, but I spent extra time preparing for that sermon. Like, okay, how am I going to talk about this in my congregation? Because, Hey, this is a pericope that most likely doesn't belong. Like it's most likely not the inspired text. So how do you preach something that isn't the inspired text? And then, um, and then when presenting that with your congregation, how do you like share that with them without evoking some sense of like, can I really trust the Bible? So I looked in to see what John Piper did and, and he made some really, he spent half the sermon, like sharing why we can trust the Bible and why this text likely is a real story that actually happened, but Mm -hmm. also is not the text of scripture. Mm -hmm. I took that approach and I shared that with my congregation. Hey, this passage was super difficult for me to figure out how to do this. And I took from, you know, a very famous pastor, John Piper. I didn't take the sermon. I took that like a couple of the points that he made as far as like, if you're reading a commentary, you know how like they'll say, Hey, here's four reasons why blah, 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 blah means this. And I kind of did that. Right. So, and then expounded from there in my own words and did some of my, you know, my own research on some other stuff to check and see what John Piper had to say, because I'm not just going to take what he has to say as, as gospel. So I was trying to be careful. And I think, I think knowing the people that you respect and trust and trying to see how they handle something as difficult as that is helpful. But if I, I, I would have, it would have been wrong for me to pass all of that off as saying, Hey, here's, here's what I'm doing, right? Here's, here's how I'm saying it. So you don't want to pass it off as your own work. If you're going to cite someone, cite them, um, give credit. Yeah. With them. yeah I had a, a similar struggle when it came to that passage in John and uh, what I did is I did skip it. I said, this probably shouldn't be in the Bible, but here. And I actually emailed our church family and even printed off. I, maybe I didn't, because I don't know if I printed off copies. But basically, I made sure that they had available John Piper's sermon that he did on it, which ex- I said, this explains it well. And rather than take up time on our Sunday morning with me trying to do it, I'm going to let someone else do it that did it better, mm-hmm. would have done it better. Uh, but I, I, I wrestled with handling it the same way you did, but I, we all know that I'm not as even as good of a communicator as you. So 
I wouldn't have been able to even build that. Listen, don't don't sell yourself short. I'm not. Listen, I'm not. I'm not John Piper. I'm not. I'm just a guy trying to figure it out, man. But I do, you know, if you're if you're listening, if you're someone who, out there who's a pastor, or knows someone who is who's ripped sermons and whatnot. Um, one, hey, listen, show some grace too. Like if you know someone in your circles that has done this or you've noticed it and you've not learned how to really broach the subject, like do so gently, right? Do so right. over a cup of coffee. Like maybe there are reasons. Like I'm not saying there are good reasons, but there could be stuff going on that maybe that pastor needs some greater support, maybe more training. Maybe they don't even realize what they're doing is wrong. So so have that conversation. And if you've done it before, um, repent of it, right? So mm-hmm. so to me, like the whole fireable offense thing, uh, we make mistakes, man. We're, we're going to trip into sin and, and whatnot. Like that type of stuff happens. So it's not that it's not that this sin is one that is a fireable offense unto its own, but it's the fact that you have to get caught, right? Like that, that you have to get caught and called out on it rather than falling under the conviction and going like, wow, this, maybe you can do it. Like, listen, you could cite something in your sermon. Like you said before, you just forgot to cite the person. You just made a quote or, or whatnot that happens. It, it happens because you read so much, right? Like, right. I, I imagine most pastors are probably in the word of God, at least a couple, three hours a day um, in some capacity. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then they're probably also reading commentaries or, or journal articles and things like that. So there's all this, there's all this information floating around in our minds. Sometimes we put something down on paper and, and just don't know where we got it from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Bickford cool. has an interesting historical perspective. Uh, Bickford? Yeah. Pre-written past sermons back in the English Re- Reformation days. Yeah. So how would you okay. speak to them? That <laughs> Was it wrong back then also? You know, I think, listen, if it was wrong now, it's wrong then, right? I, but I, you know, at least the, they were above board on it. Right. So I think right. you have to look at the practical nature. The guy that we're talking about wasn't above board on. Um, so right. presumably this was the practice of the day and was largely accepted. You knew your pastor was preaching something that was prefab, that was art that was given to him. Um, however, if I could go back in time, you know, four or five hundred years, I'd tell those brothers like, hey, let's instead of just telling you telling you what to say, why don't we teach you how to minister to your people in the way that God's called you to, right? Like, mm-hmm. because the application, so so he's referring to the English Reformation. What, how the text applies in, in Liverpool is going to be different than how it applies in Manchester or London or Edinburgh. So that's going to be very, very different. How you apply the text in, in your context in uh, Waterville is going to be different than here in, in Johnston County, North Carolina. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I don't really want to talk about Mark's comment of botching illustrations. Cause I think I'm the king of botching illustrations, especially when they involve handcuffs. Um, excuse me. <laughs> you haven't seen that video on my, that is, it was a year ago today, the, last week or so or two weeks ago. Or during a children's message at the height of the pandemic when I was alone in the church except for our sound guy. 
and I was doing a, a I had toy uh, handcuffs and I locked myself in them. Wow. Yeah. Live. You numbskull. That's awesome. Did you see the video of the guy on Easter who um who brought a coffin on stage and tried to use it as an illustration? And he, and fell, like, and he fell out and he fell out the back. Yeah. So I uh this past Sunday, man, so I realized you know, I've read tons of preaching books, man, and, and some some will advocate for cultural references, um like pop culture references, and others say like they anathematize it. Don't use pop culture references because you're going to alienate some people in your congregation. Well, I experienced that this past Sunday. So, <laughs> so within about five minutes, I used, I referenced Neil Young okay. in, in uh, Thanos. So, <laughs> so like, so like, Sixteen percent of my congregation understands one part, and like thirty percent understands the other part, and then like there's a ten percent part in the congregation that like doesn't understand any of it. And then uh, I realized it on Monday morning when I was talking um, to our administrative assistant. She's like, "Yeah, who's Thanos?" I was like, "What do you mean, who's Thanos? How do you not know who Thanos is?" So, yeah. So Meredith says that uh, Matt uh, is a big movie watcher, and every time he uses a movie reference, no one knows what he's talking about. It's hilarious. I, dude, I want to say I probably cite a Will Ferrell movie at least once or twice a month in sermons, and people have no idea. Yeah, I've, I've, I haven't been bitten by that, but I have like referenced, like for example, back during Christmas. I shouldn't even say this probably because I, anyway, you got to be careful with referencing movies. You're talking about eight pounds or eight pounds, six ounces, baby Jesus. No, <laughs> oh, cause I no. referenced that in a sermon one time. I, uh, I referenced Talladega Nights when we were talking about the birth of Christ, or like who Christ truly is. And I said, listen, you might have your picture of Jesus over here. They have that picture of Jesus over there. One famous movie depicts Jesus as eight pounds, six ounces. Uh, and another character refers to him as, you know, having a tuxedo t-shirt standing in, in, in the front row of a Leonard Skidder concert. Like that's not Jesus. All right. Okay. So, so I'll share my top maybe four blunders. Number one, during Christmas, I was doing a uh, sermon series on different Christ Advent or not Advent, Advent hymns and their authors and where they came from, and one of them was written by um, a Jacobite. And so I said, "Hey guys, we actually know somebody who was an actual Jacobite for all you Outlander fans." Well, someone got all upset because Outlander is a horrible show and no one should be watching it. Yada yada yada. And I'm like, "Okay, whatever." Number two. I said, you know, Eric and I at night sometimes like to, you know, we just like to spend after the boys are in bed, just Netflix and chill, not realizing exactly what that meant. I thought wait, I you, you, you said that in a I legitimately, I legitimately said thought that chill meant just hang out and relax. What so was this? All of the people under 30 in my church started laughing at me. <laughs> when was this? This is like two years ago. <laughs> you, you told the whole congregation that you and Eric just liked it. Sometimes at night, Netflix and chill. Not realizing no. that Netflix and chill is a euphemism for sex. 
Correct. Oh, <laughs> that's but that's how that's red was Eartha's face? How red was her face? <laughs> and then the, number three was when uh, when and this was like a year before that. I I said. Uh, when Peter like said that he would never deny Jesus or whatever, I think it was that point. Um, and or Jesus says, "Some of you will betray me," and G Peter says, "I will go to the death teeth for you." And I was like, "This was Peter's. This was essentially Peter's hold my beer moment." He's like, "Hold my beer." <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Hey, I'm listen. I would not be as more. I would not be mortified about the hold my beer. I think depending on your context, you have to know whether or not hold my beer would be appropriate or not. I think. Yeah. I think in some context it could be. Um, yeah. But the whole Netflix and chill. I was totally. I, I, was I don't so know. Angry of it. I'm like, I was, it was so unintentional, and I'm like, oh gosh. So wait, did you? Like, you address it like the next week like hey everybody i just want you to know i made this reference last week my bad this isn't what i meant to say so no. so your your whole church if they don't if they don't listen to this show they still think <laughs> looking back two years ago that you were revealing to them <laughs> you know your your marital <laughs> conjugal habits <laughs> I think uh, I think I killed Mike. <clears throat> oh my goodness! Makes a baker's dozen. Oh gosh! Yeah, I, yeah. I'm so sorry for you, Erica. I cannot <laughs> imagine. There's a support group on Facebook for Erica. <laughs> <laughs> so if you'd like to join that, you can look. You can you can look it up. <laughs> Meredith said she's taking notes for a blunders column for the witness. <laughs> Seriously, I could write that column. <laughs> no joke. Pretty much every Sunday, there's some sort of blunder. I can't, dude. I hope my I hope my wife's watching this so that I can go home and we can talk about this. How funny! <laughs> I want to know what her response is. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's. I don't even know how to go move on from here. So, so wait, is this on video somewhere? Is this sermon on video? No, this is before we started recording. There's probably an audio file of it, but this is before. Can you can someone find me the audio file? And please, please, I will I will do just about anything to get that audio file. I honestly don't even know generally like when it was, but it was probably within the past two or three years. Who in no. your church like like takes care of those audio files? Our, our uh, executive assistant. Uh, is it is your is that uh, Joanne Joseph Bedillion? Yep. <laughs> I will do my best to find the audio file. Please, Joanne. Please, I. Glenn said I, Eric will make his ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> can you do that nowadays? Like, is that a thing? Can you? Oh, I'm sure they have an app to do that. I'm sure. Okay. All right. For sure. Oh my goodness. Well, no, I want a ringtone of like Erica cringing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Whoa, Mark here in Texas announced that the kids' Sunday school would be watching VeggieTales while the rest of us watch an adult film. I don't, I don't think he knew what he'd said. <laughs> oh, the poor guy! I feel his pain so deep. I, I feel that that. That story so deep into my heart, like that's totally something I would have done unintentionally, of course. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, um, I forget exactly when it was. My wife might remember, but everyone made fun of me because there it, it came up either in the text or as an illustration. Whenever I'm making an illustration or going off the cuff, it's often like Michael Scott who says, I don't know what I'm saying. Like, he just keeps talking. Yeah, God right? keeps talking, yeah. That's kind of, I just let my words carry me wherever they may go. <laughs> so, yeah. so I'm in one of those moments, man. And it came to a point where I was going to refer to sex. But like we had at that time, it might have been when we were doing outdoor services. I don't quite remember. But I remember saying like, oh, snap, in that moment, how am I going to refer to sex? Like, I don't know if people have had this kind of conversation with their kids. Like how, like, I don't want to be the first person that has broached this topic with, you know, a four-year-old or a nine-year-old or whoever. Right. So the euphemism I used was exchanging pleasantries. <laughs> uh, but that's not nearly as bad as what you did. <laughs> oh my God. So Erica is in the, does Erica sit up front? Like, does she? Is that her assignment? She's about. She's like about maybe 30, 40 feet um, into the pews, center aisle. Yeah. So she's had a lot of like shaker, shaker head moments. I you a know lot. I feel like, like a lot. I feel like this is one of those moments that. You, you wouldn't feel bad about your wife just standing up in front of the congregation in the middle of the sermon and going, that word doesn't mean what he thinks it means. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think you know. I don't think you know. It's like in The Princess Bride. He's like, you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> yeah. Did you use it only once or did you use it a couple of times? Oh, I only said it once. I, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And I had no idea until after the service when someone brought it to my attention. Were they like, hey, did they bring it to your attention? Like, hey, I don't think that word means what you think it means. Or were they like, hey, man, cool with like most of your sermon, but I'm really not interested in like your. <laughs> no, it was just illuminating me. Okay. To the to the flub that I made. So how mortified were you in that moment? I thought it was hilarious. I, yeah. I get more embarrassed when I. It, it's really hard to embarrass for me to get embarrassed. I'm more mortified when I unintentionally uh, like offend someone, right? like really truly offend them, yeah, like hurt yeah. them. Yeah, that mortifies me. But if someone was mortified my inappropriate unintentional use of Netflix and chill, then they need to just go and chill, chillax. Yeah, I. That's more funny. It's not something that's too bad, but wow. Poor Erica. <laughs> Erica Erica is my mortification. 
<laughs> when, when I should be mortified, she's the one feeling it. <laughs> she's embarrassed for you. Um, Mary oh, when, when they got oh. to Doolin's Grove, he announced that the wrong person had died. That's so bad. That's really I bad. haven't been quite there, but man, I've miscalled someone the wrong name or something, and, and that's yeah, I feel well, when that. you first get to a place, man, that's, I mean, that's an easy mistake. I mean, that's like, you got to show some grace towards the guy. Like, he yeah. just goes up in the last few months and has to deal with, you know, has to navigate that kind of um, difficult pastoral situation. Hmm. So, I'd rather do that than, you know, talk about Netflix and chilling. <laughs> I'm not going to live this one down. I shouldn't have shared this. <laughs> I, uh, listen, I, I'm all about embarrassing you and embarrassing me. I I'm not gonna try to embarrass your wife, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna press too hard, man. <laughs> you know what you guys you know um never mind. I'm not, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say what I was thinking. Um, this is a family show. So I'm getting um, all light I'm getting lightheaded. I probably have high blood pressure going on so much. <laughs> So yeah, so yeah, so we're gonna talk about Philippians, man. So can we get to, can we get to the scripture? Um, enough banter, and let's get to the Bible. Okay. Philippians is one of my favorite books, man. I love Philippians, and um, I remember when I was a new Christian, just like I, I mispronounced Pilate Pilati when I was a, a, a new Christian. Um, I also pronounced Philippians Philippines. So even to this day, like whenever I read Philippians, I go, oh, Philippians. It's like a nice little, and I still, you know, look at Pilate and I go, Pilate. Yeah. yeah. I, I would often refer to Antiochus Epiphanes as Antiochus. So. <laughs> well, to, to be, to be fair, there are words, uh, both in the old Testament and new Testament. Do you go, uh, I'm lost here, man. Like, how in the world am I supposed to pronounce this thing? The best advice I ever got uh, was from Dr. Reverend, or is it Reverend Dr. Glenn Rice? Um, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. When when you don't know how to pronounce something, just pronounce it really quickly and confidently, and people will think that you know what you're doing. 100% true. Yes. 100%. No doubt. That's 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 sage advice right there. <laughs> I know he's a he's a brilliant man. Um, mm -hmm. So we're gonna look at Philippians uh, chapter one verses one through two. I'm not gonna put this up on your screen. Uh, so I mean, you're a Christian; you should probably have a Bible with you, duh, right? Um, but I will um, I will put it up like I did a couple weeks ago when we did when we popped up uh, um, the Logos Bible software, but I will put the, the first verse up here. And, and just like a, a perspective, I think it's important as we go through Philippians for people to understand, Philippians is written by the Apostle Paul, right? And um, he is in prison. Now, there's debate on exactly where he was imprisoned at the time, but it, you can put it down now, Mike. I got it on the screen. Oh, I, okay. I was just going to put it on the screen since you didn't want to. So, um, so there's debate as to where he was situated, but later on in 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 Philippians he refers to the Praetorian Guard, which which seems in context to refer to um, the the Roman guard, that, like they would have been in Rome. So it's most likely, I think, that he was in Rome in writing this, which he would have been there somewhere between sixty and sixty two A.D., um, probably closer to sixty two. So. In knowing that he's writing to the church in Philippi, Mike, do you know 
I don't want to put you on the spot because we didn't talk about this. I don't want to make you look bad. Um, no, just a, you know don't, ask, you know don't ask the question. Just stop. <laughs> what do you know about what? What do I know about what? You know about Philippi. 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 It's in modern day Turkey. Okay. Okay, so um, in that well, time, I mean, well, it, it was a it was a it was a high, I believe, high commerce trade on a high commerce trade route. It was, but it was also um, it, it was a Roman state. It was a Roman citizen mm-hmm. city. It was very much like if you think now, I understand this because I was in the army for for eight years, but like it was pretty much a military town. And in most of the people there were like super patriotic Romans. So in, if you go back to the first century to be a super patriotic Roman, you um, in essence worshipped um, Caesar. So like Caesar was your was your sovereign and was your lord. That's who you served. That's who you worshipped. And that's what it meant to be a good Roman citizen. And then you have these folks who've come to Christ that are largely Gentile believers in the church of Philippi. And they're trying to figure out how to navigate this difficulty because they are now citizens of heaven. So like as citizens of heaven, how do you engage in this like uber super preacher out of town that to be a patriot is to worship um, Caesar? So, so that's Can you say that again because you kind of... I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing? Yeah. Something... Now it stopped. Okay, weird. Is there something going on with your laptop? Your phone know. going off? I don't know. You got all crackly on me, but now it, and now it's fine. Now it's buzzing again. Oh, you're doing it again. You're doing it again. <laughs> What is going on, man? I don't know. I wasn't doing anything. Man, between you and me, I'm telling you. This is, Robin says, not today, Satan. Are we Satan? Like, is my wife calling us Satan? Or are we just going to power through this? And she's referring to the sound as Satan. Maybe. Uh, okay, let's try and power through it. So, um, so yeah, uh, Bigford brings up very appropriately that it's a military retirement community philippi is so so they have this outward opposition right so so they're they're rubbing up against the culture of their day um in the church at philippi thank you sweetheart my wife referring to the sound of satan and not you and i um and then there have some some in-house opposition so paul later on refers to um two leaders in the church that he essentially calls to um, to figure out their differences, to come together and set aside um, their issues for the betterment of the com- community. So that's kind of the context that we understand Paul writing this letter to the church in Philippi. I just want to give that brief. You, you want to add anything? Nope. I think you did well. Okay. <clears throat> you want to read the, uh, the first verse for us? Uh, I think to be uh, appropriate to copyright law what version are we reading from the english standard version or as they call it around my neck of the woods the eric standard version you're not amused by that paul and timothy servants of christ jesus to all the saints in christ jesus who are at philippi with the overseers and deacons 
And now I got a. And then verse two. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, right. So, as we um, outlined this a few weeks ago on how you study this, right? So, when we're studying scripture, we want to start with prayer and pray for spirit's illumination, for humility, and a clear mind. Uh, we're praying that 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 the Holy Spirit would help reveal to us our own presuppositions, our own pre-understandings of the text, so that we can set those aside, at least the ones that are unhelpful, and, and really truly dive in and, and understand the text. And then we read the text, which we've done, but we also want to make observations of the text. And, and uh, Mike, what kind of observations of the text would we want to make? First, who's, who's talking? Yep. You know, so we want to jot down Paul and Timothy and <clears throat> make sure we understand who those bros are. Um, we might want also, what, what does he potentially mean? What might be behind the word servants? Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we're going through, um, especially just a short section like verses 1 and 2, you know, look for potentially loaded or even confusing words. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, uh, to, and then we have, obviously, the audience. Mm -hmm. to all the saints in Christ Jesus. And so he's talking to Christians, uh, and but, uh, but also specific Christians at Philippi. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also, what does he potentially mean by overseers and deacons? You know, who might the overseers and deacons be? So he's, he's assuming there's some sort of church, not assuming, he's assuming that present for the reading of this letter are, you know, elders and deacons in the church. So there's a structure there. Right. So if we were reading this for the first time um, as as so we want to put ourselves in first century Philippi. As mm -hmm. So so let's like let's it's almost like if you read a fictional um, story, you want to be able to put yourself where the characters are. So we recognize who the characters are here, who the who the main people are. So it's Paul, Timothy. It's the saints who are in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. So it's the people of the church, but also the overseers and deacon. Um, so uh, great question, Bickford, and I and I want to get to the answer, but let, let's let's slowly get there. Um, so so we want to put us put ourselves in in first century Philippi. Once the church leaders would have received, once they received this letter, they would have read it to the entire church. Like they would have done it all in the original Greek and read this to folks there. And, and you can just imagine the whole church, however many people were there, um, standing up um, because that was that was typical. You stood up to to hear the. Um, now I don't know if it would have been typical then, but at least in Judaism, if you were um, hearing the text, oftentimes they would stand to hear the text. We even see many churches do that today. We do it sometimes in our church. Um, but they would have been sitting there listening to these words, being addressed by Paul and Timothy. So we noticed there's Paul Timothy. One word. That, and this is when it's helpful to look at other translations if you don't know the original language. Because the word servant, anytime servant's used in the New Testament, I think it's always, I want people's ears to perk up and go, okay, I want to look and see what this says and say that NASB or somewhere else. Because NASB actually, I believe, translates it. The, the original word is doulos. And doulos uh, would have been a slave. Now, a slave is, is very different than the racial 
cattle slavery or chattel slavery that, that we're accustomed to in the, in the West that we have learned about history. It, what this word carries with it is that these are people who, so, so they are slaves or bond servants of Christ Jesus, meaning they belong to Jesus. So he's referring to them as people who belong to Jesus. And um, to all the saints, that's also a term that, that really, you know, we think of, some people think of saints as a term that is uh, used for like St. Paul or St. Augustine or how, but we're all saints. We're all part of God's holy people. That's the term that is important there. Um, so the term overseers and deacons, do you have an idea as to why that might be the case? Like why he specifically references? Um, Without having done much study in Philippians at all, uh, I might ask the question of, was there an authority issue? Yes. A questioning of authority. So I, um, I, I was doing some digging on this in, in preparation for this. <clears throat> and, and I think it's important for us to like, and I said this kind of, in the introductory remarks, the rest of the context, there were leaders in the church that where there was some kind of strife. There was some, there was some stuff going on that um, the commentators I, I was reading, like there's not a hint of like this strife being like very overt or super confrontational. It had yet to divide the church. So it was kind of starting to boil up, right? Like it was, there were a couple of leaders in the church that were, um, that didn't see eye to eye and people knew it. And, mm-hmm. and that's where division the seeds of division can really be sown. So this is the only time that I'm aware of that Paul references the leaders of the congregation, the overseers and the deacons. And that's incredibly important for us to understand this letter because he's, he's addressing the people of the church, but he's particularly also addressing the leaders of the church. So he's, he's paying them special attention because of the issues that are going on. So, um, these are the kinds of things that as we're reading scripture, we want to be able to ask. We want to ask the right questions. We want to ask good questions. I know you know that, Mike, but I'm just saying it for Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, Mike is far smarter and has been studying the Bible a lot longer than I have. That's right. I don't know about far smarter. Well, you're, you're humble. Come on, too. Come on Mike. Yeah. Well, maybe you'd be smarter if you've you know, stop Netflix and, and chilling all the time. <laughs> so many things. So I want to say so many, so many things. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to say that one. I just had to, I just had to say one. I'm sorry. Um, thank you. Thank you, Nathaniel. Um, yeah. So uh, verse, verse two, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you think is kind of significant in, in this verse? Mike? I, I, honestly, I think oftentimes the, the greeting that Paul brings, he begins to flesh out more in the body of his letter. And so I think he specifically is is kind of preparing them for what he's going to be uh, sharing. So I think there's going to be a heavy emphasis on grace and, and living at peace with one another mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the letter. Um, kind of like if you go to Thessalonians, um, at the beginning of Thessalonians, he talks about their faith and their love, but he doesn't say hope. And that's because they seem to have lost their hope. And 
that's when he gets to, you seem to be on We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who fall asleep, and so he needs to rebuild their hope uh, in the first letter. Mm -hmm. But anyway. Yeah. That's what I would note. um, Yeah, I think think that's good. It it is important for us to, I think, um, the, the interesting thing about the epistles is that um, there are some similarities into how they are. There, there were standard formats in how they would write back in the first century. So you would typically mm-hmm. have like a, a greeting, but the greeting that Paul uses here is is you know fairly different from what was common um, at that time. So they would often like, um, oh my goodness, they're right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reference what my wife just said, but um, so. There, I love my wife's pop culture reference to to um, the Big Bang Theory as well. Um, Anyway, they would often include in the greeting a a call to rejoicing, and it's interesting because Paul. Paul here, or I guess you can say Paul and Timothy, as, as it's both coming from them, points their audience to what he's sending to them in, in whose name or or the source in which those things come from, right? So there's the sense of, of grace and peace, and peace was a very common um, uh, greeting to a, to a Jew back, back in that time, you know, the idea of shalom, peace on earth. So... So he's he's seeking, not just saying, "Hey, man, have a good day," but he's saying, like, truly, grace and peace from you, or or to you from, not from me, like like I I might wish these things for you, but I can't bring you any grace, I can't bring you any peace. I do it from the one in whom we are bonded together, in which he already laid down in verse one, which is Jesus Christ, their fellow saints. So um, we see in verse two that he, even in his greeting, he's instructing his audience that um, the things that we often want most on earth, which is peace and, and grace, those, those things which we don't deserve, uh, mainly salvation, um, that we receive it from God, our Father, and from Jesus. I think that's about it, man. I haven't fully recovered from the last comment, so... <laughs> no, that was good. I think you're right. Well done. Yep. Anything else? If not, I'm sure Bigfoot will no. give Oh yes, it's true. He'll 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 give us the rundown of all the the Greek phrases and turns of phrases that Paul used. And but just just remind him of this. You're the you're the master. And of the- he's got an MDiv, doesn't he? From Westminster, right? He has an MAR. But Westminster is just a more challenging, well-rounded school anyway. Don't don't um, say that publicly. So, and and I'm sure he's got some textual variants in there that, that we missed. I'm positive that Nathaniel, Nathaniel could translate this in about five or ten minutes from the Greek into the English and, and look at, several different manuscripts where there are variants and what they mean and the significance. 
Well, he wouldn't just translate it from the Greek. He would go from Greek to Latin to English. No, no, no. He would go from he could he could do that. He could. He, could. he would not he do could. that because that's how they translated much of the King James, and then that's why oh wait, we're, we're not. I felt like something was wrong. I I knew we should have been using the KJV. Yeah. Mm-mm. We need Stephen Anderson in on the show. Oh my goodness! Please look. I haven't watched any of his stuff in a long time. Um, yeah. Have you, have you relieved yourself against a wall yet? Has what? Have you relieved yourself against a wall yet? No. Why did he? He made a big deal about you know the the, the uh, Old Testament fi- figure of speech that men who would stand and uh, urinate against the wall. He had like a whole section of a big sermon many years ago. Did he illustrate this? I hope not, but who knows what happens off camera. Uh, okay, well, that's interesting. Mm. I wonder I wonder if he never mind, I'm not gonna say <laughs> I know, I, I totally derailed that. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh yeah. So hey Mike, I know you have to go like don't, don't you have to go, go pick your kids up for school or something? Not today, but I do have things to prepare for this week. Okay. Well, Michael, thank you so much for because I think we're gonna have we were supposed to have Luke on today, but then like last minute he was like, Yeah, sorry, I'm sick. And we're like, dude, you just had like six weeks of vacation. Anyway, shame, shame, shame. Give the, give the guy a break. They're still transitioning to new baby after all they've been through. No breaks. No days off, as as the venerable Bill Belichick would say. <laughs> no days off. Cool, man. Um, well, thank you guys for joining us. We hope to uh, maybe do Philippians a little bit more next time. We'll talk with. Is Luke going to be on next week or is it going to be you? I don't know. I'm waiting until last minute to find out. <laughs> okay. Well, take care, guys. It was fun. Don't plagiarize at all, ever. Don't plagiarize. It's just bad. Get, get, get Give credit. credit. Give credit. Give credit where credit's due. God bless you. Take care. We love you. See you next time.